Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Citizen Hustle Podcast, where we talk about health, performance, and all things self-improvement. In this interview, I interviewed Dr. Laura Brenner of Lola B's Career Coaching, former dentist, now career coach, where we talk about passion, the right career path for you, and what it takes to live a good life. You guys are going to love this episode as much as I did. Have a great day. See you guys soon. But I'm super excited to have you on. So do you go by Laura? Is it Dr. Laura? What do you want me to call you? Just Laura. Laura writes this article, 2011, right? Mm -hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, the 10 reasons your dentist hates you? 10 reasons your dentist probably hates you too. And I read that and I was like half sad because it was true, (laughs) half happy because there was another dentist out there that was struggling with the profession. So take me back 10, 12 years. Why are you writing that article or that blog post? Oh, yeah. So, well, I wrote that when I was at the end of my career. So I practiced for 10 years. And um, this was a long time ago. This was in, you know, I like 2001, I started in practice. And dentistry was a little different then, for sure. And one of the things that was different is we didn't have social media like this. So if I was feeling really unhappy, really isolated, had problems that it didn't seem like anyone else was struggling with, then I just had no way of of realizing that other people may have felt like I did. So I kind of, uh, you know, no one would have known it. Like if you looked at my career from the outside on paper, it looked great. It looked like I had it all. I took care of patients. They were happy. I like always put them first. And this is what we do as dentists. We really do. We, we, we step up for everybody else, even if we're kind of dying inside, you know? So, um, in probably 2000, let's say eight or so, my husband finally gave me an ultimatum and he was like, you're coming home crying every day. You're so unhappy and we can't do this. And I was, I didn't realize how much my, I was affecting him, right? Like my unhappiness and my stress was really getting to him. Can you imagine being married to me and I'm coming home every day complaining and crying and miserable? Like, of course that's going to make someone else that my, my partner feel really bad. So he was like, we can't do this anymore. You need to sort it out. I don't care what we need to do. If we need to sell our house and move, fine. He's like, but sort it out or our marriage isn't going to survive this. So that was actually, I, I joke and say it was an ultimatum, but it was really permission, right? It was like my one person who I needed besides myself, the one person who I needed permission from to be able to say, hey, it's okay that you've invested your whole life in this career. If it's not working, don't stay, right? Um, So that was probably three years, three years before I wrote that blog post. So it took me three years. I um, ultimately left dentistry in the week after I quit my job. I posted this because I had seen, here's the background. I don't know if you know this, Vince, but I had seen um, a blog post that was titled 10 Reasons I Hate the Dentist. I, you, you mentioned that in the blog post, right? You're okay. responding yes. to that? Yeah, okay. Yes, exactly. So that's how it started. So I saw this blog post and I was like, okay, fine. Here's 10 reasons your dentist probably hates you too. And it was delivered in the same, it's meant to be funny. not everybody thinks it is, but it's meant to be funny. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, at that point did, no one read my blog. I didn't think anybody was going to read it. And then literally the day I posted it that night, it went viral. I had no idea what viral really was. I had to look up like, what does it mean when something's (laughs) gone viral? Is this viral? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was amazing because, um, Dentists, hygienists, dental assistants, parents of dentists, children, spouses of dentists were all um, reaching out to me and, and they were like, this is so true. This is this is what we all feel now. You know, if anyone's listening and they haven't read it, 
you know, some of the things I call out in it are things like, you know, who, who said it was okay to come in and tell me that you hate me every time you see me, right? Like people come in all the time and say, I hate the dentist. It's hard to do a job when people are telling you that they hate you, right? Even oh if gosh. we know we're supposed to not take it personally. Um, imagine getting that messaging every day. Well, you know, you don't have to imagine. Yeah. Would you agree it's impossible long-term not to take that personally once in a while? I mean, I think you have to work on it, but how do you not let it like seep into your pores and into your soul that the people you're trying to help, even though they don't mean you, right? They don't yeah. mean you, but it's like, it's like the repeated messaging. How do you not let that? I mean, some people can, but, um, I think for me, it was more a decision of, do I want to do something where people are coming and saying that they hate what I'm doing for them? No, like, like I could, I could find a way to be more positive about it and work on not taking it personally, but, or I could do something in my life with my life that people want. Yeah. I want to bring up a point you brought up. What may be a blessing or for your husband to give you permission? Because from a spouse's point of view, I'm not sure your finances, but that kind of change, if you leave a position of dentistry, it can be a financial burden right away. It can be scary for your spouse. Absolutely. So did yeah. you have to move? No. No. Okay, not. good. Oh, yeah. I love that you asked that. Do you know no one's ever asked me that? Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> I love it. sometimes... You're the breadwinner and you, you have to change. And, but right. if your husband was willing to do that, it just shows that he valued the happiness in your marriage more than the paycheck you were bringing home, which is such a nice thing to hear. Yes, that's exactly what it was. And, and that's what's cool because, you know, I grew up, um, I, I don't know where it's from. It's from our parents. It's from society. It's from culture, right? I grew up really valuing financial success. And if I could have financial success, then I'd be happy and I'd have it all. Right. And, um, so that was a big barrier to leaving. And that is a big barrier for many people. If they want to leave whatever career it is, whether it's dentistry or, or anything else that generally pays well is the golden handcuffs, right? It's like, uh, oh, it yeah. gives you this nice life, but then you're trapped in it because you can't imagine living on less. Um, so really having that influence of someone who was like, there are more important things in life was was probably life-saving, you know? Um, yeah. Like really needed to hear that. And then that became part of my work over the next several years of reframing what success really meant to me. Um, and I'm really grateful for that because, you know, I think it's great if someone wants to switch careers and leave dentistry and they want to make sure they have a solid income that's going to replace it in the background. And that was what I wanted. And yet I learned that, uh, that's not what happened for me. I had to give up some income over the years. Um, and, and guess what? I learned that we were fine, right? Yeah. We survived. We made it happen. Uh, you know, obviously I set things up so we would be fine. Um, but that's in our control. That was my next question. As you were leading up to leaving, what were some of the steps you took to ensure that it wasn't a huge disaster after you quit? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, one is, you know, uh, my husband and I, well, we don't have kids and admittedly that does make it easier, right? It's easier to control your spending when you don't have kids. Um, so that's one thing, but even if you do, um, you still are in control. So I was terrified that I wouldn't survive. And, and what I did was I, um, started a side gig. So I slowly over time decreased the amount of days that I worked in the dental office. And while I was doing that, while I was working two or three days, what's scary is I don't remember if I ended up at the end working two or three days. That's how 
I blocked that out. <laughs> I, I need to probably go back and look because of <laughs> curiosity. But, um, you know, I went from five days a week. Then I went on to four um, very early in my career, probably in my third year. And then ultimately in those later years, I was working two or three on the side, I started a side gig. So I was doing weight loss coaching. Okay, great. And um, I was doing that two days a week. So that gave me a little bit of income. And and honestly, this is how hard it is to really leave dentistry, even if you know in you, your heart you want to do it. Um, and this is how tied I was to the security of having money was um, my boss was the, I, I worked in three different associateships over those years. My boss was, this was the last boss I had, and he was the best boss I had. And I sometimes wondered if I had started out with him, maybe things would have been different in my career, um, which could be another interesting discussion about um, how bad jobs can make us not like this career, but, or any career. But anyway, he said to me, I'm ready to re retire, so I want you to buy out my practice and we'll start the process now. And then in a year when I retire, you're all set up. And I couldn't do that to him, right? I couldn't string him along for one more year for what? For me to a year later say, oh, I knew I was done then. So I'm just going to buy a year of my time. I just couldn't do that to him. So what's interesting is what got me to actually leave dentistry was taking care of somebody else, not myself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Have you read Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art? I have not. Okay. So this may be hard for you to articulate, but as you're going through your career, is it a nagging feeling that's telling you leave? What in your mind, because it takes so much courage to leave a career. Why did you leave? Why didn't you just stick it out? Um, yeah, and I, I can articulate that because I've thought about it a lot over the years. And I would add, not just any career. I think all career change is hard. But this is a career that culturally we think we're marrying. We think it's going to be for life. So it, that just adds another level, especially if you've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in it and years of education. So it's so hard. Um, but yeah, it's the nagging feeling. And, and I talk about that now with people. I love that you asked that because it's that nagging feeling is your intuition. It's your gut. It's something, it's that thing that keeps coming back no matter what you do. That's telling you something's wrong. I need to change something, right? Like, I think we get accustomed to thinking that it's okay to be really unhappy in our work because that's because it's work, right? That's what work is, right? But actually, it's not, I mean, maybe it's normal, but do, but do we have to just tolerate something that makes us so unhappy in order for our lives to be valuable, you know? And so... Like, I think we, we shift our expectations and we just justify like, oh, well, it's work. Work is work. No one likes work. But there's a difference between not feeling like going to work and feeling like your work is like crushing your soul and like you're dying inside from your work. There's is that what you felt? Yes. Is that, oh, so on the drive Monday morning to work, what's going through your mind as you're pulling in? Like, like complete and utter dread and okay. that dread might if i took a vacation seven days the dread would start in day two because then i would start thinking oh i have to go back to my life again so have you heard the term the sunday scaries like you're uh -huh. worried about so you had like the tuesday vacation scaries and you're going back in six more days <laughs> totally exactly yeah and that's what happens and we justify it and think like, oh, well, maybe if I try another job, it will help. And then that nagging feeling that you just mentioned comes back, right? And then, well, maybe if I do more of these procedures that I like, it might help a little bit. But the nagging feeling keeps coming back. It's when it keeps coming back, it's because you need to start paying attention to this because it's telling you something's wrong. That was so, the next question. Like how many iterations of maybe escapism or ways to push it down did you try before you're like there's nothing else i can do i gotta go yeah 
So I changed jobs. I asked the question, is it the job or is it the career? Right. Which is, I think, a really valuable question. We all should be asking that. Um, That's probably the first thing to look at. Uh, I then um, I went to the Panky Institute for if someone doesn't know what that is, it's like a really high quality continuing education curriculum for dentists to try to love your practice and love dentistry, right? And That's I what they loved, tell you what will happen. <laughs> right, exactly. And actually, I loved going. I loved going to the course. Um, I had such a good time always when I was there. But I could never... And I was actually, by the way, working in a panky-style practice. And even then, it was like I'd bring it back. I'd bring back what I learned, and I just never really wanted to do it. So, like, if you find yourself not being interested in growing in your career, that's a sign. That's that nagging feeling that you mentioned earlier, you know? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think I tried it all. Short of owning a practice, which for me was a great decision, um, because I knew I wouldn't, I wouldn't have enjoyed that at all. So, um, but I tried different jobs. I tried continuing education. I tried, you know, um volunteering for the local dental society on their continuing education committee and getting more involved in community. And that feeling kept coming back. Just, it just, it, it's coming back for a reason. Yeah. Right. Now during this time when this feeling keeps coming back, other than your husband, do you have another support system or support group you're talking to about this? Ooh. So back then no one was talking about it. Um, okay. Which is why I do what I do now, because I realized there was a need in our profession. So I remember going to a CE event locally with a friend of mine. And, and things got a little better for me, by the way. I will mention that becoming, like, having a supportive community does help. And for my first years in practice, I was, and maybe this was a sign too, but I was so just like sick of dentistry already that I was like, you know how in dental school you go to school, you're thinking you're eating, drinking and sleeping dentistry. And then you hang out with everyone in your class. So you're like 24 seven living dentistry. I was like, I want variety, you know? So when I moved to Denver and started working, I didn't have any social circles in dentistry because I was like, I want to do something different. Um, which in some ways was good, but also in other ways was very isolating. So, um, you know, as I um, was going through this and realizing kind of like working through my thoughts and having no one to talk to, I remember getting, making some friends in dentistry that were my age and going to a CE event and trying to confess one day how I was feeling about it to two people and they looked at me like I had 10 heads. They were like, oh my gosh. they were like, really? Oh wow. You don't like dentistry. Why? Like it's so great. And Oh, you should just do this. And that. I mean, they want you to like it cause they like it too. Um, but, um, unless you've experienced this, um, it's hard to really know what it feels like to not want to do this in your core. Um, I we can't all have imagine, hard times, but yeah, how yeah. isolating if you confide in two of your friends and maybe they're lying to you, maybe they're not. And you're like, my soul is being crushed because I hate this job. And they're like, ours isn't ours has never been better. Yeah. And then yeah. Well, how do you respond? Well, I should also clarify that it's more like you're just dipping your toe in and you're like, if they're like, um, you're saying stuff like, oh, I don't really know if I like it that much. Okay. Like you're not confessing that you're dying inside that I say for my lucky husband. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he, and it was hard. It's hard for people who don't know what you're experiencing to understand. Um, especially when it's a spouse or a partner. Um, you know, he used to say to me, I mean, you call him the Sunday scaries. I always called him the Sunday night blues. He's, he used to say to me, like, don't you realize everybody gets the Sunday night blues? And I was like, I hear you, but I feel like I'm dying inside. Yeah. 
And there's a difference. So it's so important to recognize that in yourself because that's your answer. Absolutely. And then it's so hard to express to somebody because you can't show them your feelings or you can't like show them a color and you know, like you go to the hospital, like scale of one to 10, how much does your chest actually hurt? Cause, but you're trying to tell them like, listen, I know people experience a five right now. I'm a 26 out of 10 in terms of stress before work. That's very exactly. hard to express. Yeah, exactly. And, and here's the thing. Let's say you're working three days a week, but you're worrying about it seven days a week. Your brain doesn't know it. It just thinks you're working seven days a week because you're thinking about it all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. And right? imagine if you split your salary up over seven days a week, not three days a week, you're making a lot less money. Then. Totally. Exactly. So for the, for the non-dentist listening, what did you hate about or dislike about the job so much that you left? Yeah. So I actually liked the dentistry. Um, itself was fine. Um, I think for me, it was actually the doctor, the nature of the doctor patient relationship was hard for me. Um, and that was my fault. It was the way I chose to see it. Um, I, it's, it's, we see things the way we do because of our life experiences, right? And so being a people pleaser and being a perfectionist. I went into dentistry because I really wanted to help people. I liked people. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make them happy, right? And then you get there and you realize that most people don't want what you're giving them when you're a dentist. They don't want the service, right? Even if they value it and know that it's going to help them. Like, I mean, we all would rather go to Hawaii than get a crown <laughs> or a root canal. I get it, right? <laughs> so... For me, I think I carried that burden of always feeling bad. I felt bad for breaking the news that someone needed a root canal, or I felt bad if like I had to give them a shot and they hated getting shots. Like I felt I carried that burden, like everything was my fault, everything was my responsibility. Um, and so that just creates a really a lot of pressure and stress, and it's not realistic. Because we become, we, we put demands on ourselves to be perfectionists. And I actually used to joke about this with my patients because sometimes I would be in the middle of a procedure and I would start to think, okay, am I, am I like taking too long on it because I'm trying to make it perfect? And uh, you'll know what I mean if you're a dentist. Like you, you might be really close to finishing, but there's just like one little spot you want to make perfect and you keep trying and like it's just... It's good. It's good enough, but it's not textbook perfect, which patients out there, dentistry is, this is real life. Like it's really hard to get test textbook perfect. Right. Um, so you just, but you just always want to do the best because the best you can do, the, the more you can do your best, the more things are going to work out. So you think, um, but I used to get stuck in this moment of trying to just fix something that wasn't important. And I would stop and I would be like, oh, being a perfectionist is a curse. But patients loved it, right? They were like, yeah. thank you, please be a perfectionist. So I felt that genuine desire to provide that for people, but it was killing me because that's an unrealistic expectation to put on any human. Like no one's perfect, nothing's perfect. And, and, it's, and, you know, I love that this can be shared with patients, but what I've learned is even when you do do something perfectly, it doesn't always give you the result you want. That's what's so challenging about dentistry is if you could say one plus one always equals two, then it'd be so different. But sometimes in dentistry, one plus one equals negative five. <laughs> you know? I'm pulling that quote directly from the podcast and putting that on my Instagram. That is like, <laughs> that's, that should be taught in all dental schools. When you're in the real world, one plus one will sometimes equal negative five. And I think everyone needs, for any career, needs to hear that. Right, right. Yeah, and, and for me, um, 
with patients, like I, I just always felt worried that they wouldn't understand that. Right? Like there's a bit of a, there's a, we see things from different sides. Like we all have our own side of the story. Sometimes it's the same side. Sometimes it's different. But I always worried that, like, I just wanted patients to trust me and know that I was doing my best. And that's all we can give. It's just a heavy burden. Um, and so if patients can understand that too, that sometimes things go wrong and your dentist has done a brilliant job. I it's could not nature. agree more. Oh and my so gosh. I wish more could know that. I think a lot do though. Because most yeah. of our patients are amazing. Right? Like, oh my gosh, 90%. 90%. Same stat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I read your blog post about it. That's why I said 90. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think we all, we all use that. Because it's true. One in 10, right? Yeah. It's like we could have 10, we could have nine great patients in a day. But who do we remember? The one who doesn't understand us, who doesn't want, who doesn't want to be there who is is you know not cooperative or whatever but the nine of them are amazing we become friends with them we love them we create lifelong relationships um but if you're always remembering the one it will really break you down i had a oral pathologist on the podcast maybe six months ago so he left clinical dentistry and he was saying that it was the 10 percent that eventually got to him that was worse than the benefits from the 90%. And right then he knew he couldn't do another day of dentistry. Amazing. Yeah. I Amazing. feel what you're saying. Yeah, I get that. I mean, because that's where you have to create your own practice. This is why earlier I said, like, it's my, it's my doing. The way I view being in dentistry is my doing. But that's okay, because I am who I am. And yeah. I can find... Um, what I meant to be doing. Which is a perfect transition because what I love about this is that you turned your hardship of dentistry into a successful coaching career that I'd love for you to tell me about. Yes. So to your point earlier about how hard it is to not be able to talk to anyone about this, um, my favorite Brene Brown quote is isolation breeds shame and empathy kills shame. And so when I heard that, I, it was like, you know, oh my gosh, this explains what I felt. And because nobody was talking about choosing a career in dentistry and then wanting to leave it, nobody was talking about it anywhere. No one was talking about burnout in 2004 in any field, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, but because of that, I was very isolated and I felt like a failure and I didn't know what to do. And I worked, I got therapy. I worked with a career coach eventually and created a path out for myself. And I'll tell you, like the minute I left dentistry, it was like the weight was lifted off my shoulders. Um, and you spend years questioning, will that happen? Will I regret it? You know, maybe, maybe it's me, maybe the problem is me and it will follow me everywhere. Sometimes it is. But in this case, the problem was I was in the wrong career. Um, so that knowing how isolated I felt and how that created a years long process for me. And then also having my blog post go viral and hearing from dentists all over the world who were so this is what changed it for me. They were like, wow, you feel this way? I feel this way too. This is so cool. Finally, someone's like speaking up for us. And finally, someone's talking about this. How did, and they, I would get emails from people all the time asking me how I left dentistry. And so I really enjoyed my work with my coach, my career coach, and always thought, well, Maybe someday I could go back and help dentists who feel the way I felt. And that's what I did. Um, so there, there, you know, we have just like in any field, there are a lot of coaches these days in the world. And, um, but I specifically focus on dental professionals, mostly dentists and hygienists who are 
unhappy in their careers and want to create something different. And that something different is unique to each of us. So it might be a total transition out of dentistry. It might be, you know, designing your dental career differently so you can work part-time. That's the beauty of dentistry. Uh, we can work part-time and maybe on the side, have a side gig and do something different so that you can just like, why do we have to be stuck in a boring, not like job all the time that we don't like, what is life for? Why, why can't we just do it how we want? That's yeah. what I help people do. I think it's so amazing. And I'll say this for you because most of my guests don't want to brag about themselves is your power is empathy. I just, just talking to you, your empathy is through the roof. And it took you some years to find out where to channel that empathy or how to use that empathy to help people. And you found it. What a good message for anyone listening that you do have talents and skills. You may just be using them in the wrong profession. So I, you're like my hero. I love this. Well, thank you. That's very sweet of you. Thank you. So when a dentist or hygienist comes to you and says, Laura, I hate my career. Please save my life. What is the first step you guys take to start moving forward? Ooh, I love that. You ask great questions. Oh, thank so, you. So, yeah. So the first step is mindset. Mindset, mindset, mindset. Um, and so because if we don't give ourselves permission, if we don't believe we can, then we we won't. Right? I, I, I'm probably butchering the quote. It's a really popular quote, but it's along the lines of whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. That's right. You said, you said it right. Right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've heard it said a few different times. Um, so, yeah. So, like, that's what I work with people on because it's like, how can we change that we need to get an ROI on our degrees? Right? Like, it's okay to not get a return, I guess I should say return on investment. <laughs> not everybody, you know, knows different terms, right? Like it's okay if we invest in this degree and we have to walk away from it and it doesn't give us what we thought it would give for our lifetime, you know? Um, changing those kinds of beliefs, realizing that you do have other skills, realizing that um, other people want you to be happy and they're not going to that if, as long as you are confident in your decision, they'll support that instead of thinking that you're a failure. I mean, so we really have to get to the point where we can get in the right mindset so that we can commit. That's the first step, mindset. The second one, do you want me to tell you that? You didn't, that wasn't exactly your question, but. <laughs> I want to go through the whole thing, but let me ask you a question yeah. about mindset. Yeah. Um, is that how you weed out clients? Because in any field, if they're coming to you and they're not committed, you're kind of back in the same position as a dentist where you have this valuable service, but they don't want it. And then they're unhappy with the results. Yes. So it's really important to uh, choose your clients wisely. And for me, I've realized that it's not necessarily the mindset you have right now that, that matters. It's that you're open to personal development because my approach is all about the personal development and, and making like going from the inside out. And if you are not someone who like, if you know, there are some people like I love therapy. I love coaching because I'm like, Oh, you really, I get to have someone just talk about me for an hour. Fantastic. Right. Yes. I'm paying them, but like, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, but there are people who really don't like that. There are people who don't like therapy. They, they, they have really bad experiences or perceptions about it and they think it's bogus and they don't like it. And so those, that's fine, but that's not a fit for me. Um, so yeah, you're right. It, it does matter um, that, that the minds that they're open to changing their mindset. And that's when the magic happens. So then after they commit to you, they say, I'm ready. I have a growth mindset. I know I can do this. What's step number two? Yeah. And let me actually uh, clarify that they don't have to already have the growth mindset. Okay. Um, they just have to be open 
to learning that they can change their mindset, right? And then we work on, we work on basically creating new rules for your life, right? If we've all been living our lives according to these old rules that we got somewhere, we picked them up somewhere along the way, we don't always know where, and we might not even really logically believe them, but we're living our life according to these rules. Let's rewrite the rules. And then it's really connecting, reconnecting with yourself. Who so are So these you? rules, is it kind of like an un- or subconscious program that's running? You're not really aware? It is. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Exactly. So we, be- we gain that awareness. And with that awareness, we can say, wait a minute, I don't actually even believe this. Why am I doing this? Yeah. It's all default patterning. Um, so yeah. So after that, we focus on getting to know yourself because I think not just dentistry, I think we all pick our careers based on what sounds good and we try it. I mean, that's, I, I oftentimes compare, um, a career to marriage and that like when we're kids, we form crushes, right? And those crushes turn to dates and those dates can turn to long-term relationships. All of this is the process of finding that person who we want to have potentially a marriage with, right? It's a process. And we do the same thing as kids with our careers. Maybe we want to be like, a lot of kids want to be firemen, right? Like boys will often want to be firemen or you saw that athlete on TV or a movie star and you form these career crushes and you think, I'm going to be that when I grow up. But you don't really know what it's like because we don't date. We don't date our careers. Most, yeah. well, some careers you can, but dentistry, you can't date. You have it's to like get a, married. You got to take like, the plunge. Like a blind marriage almost. Like you're going in. This is it. We're married. It is. And sometimes it's an arranged marriage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So true. <laughs> <laughs> like if our parents. Yeah. Right. That's probably more true than not. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, so that dating process is so valuable to learning about what you want and who you are. And we skip that with our careers, especially with dentistry. So what I do is help people reconnect with themselves again and really start to learn who they are, what they want, what's important to them, because we're so used to shutting them down, shutting that down because when we chose dentistry, everybody was really proud and we're just going to go along with it and be the good little boys and girls that we were taught to be and just depend on that. And we lose touch with our creativity. We forget what we want. We can't make decisions after a while. We don't know what we want. So it's like, let's help you do that again. And, and, and that's through the process of, of really exploring different things like your values and um, your interests and then getting into action. So let's talk about that. What is the action? Yeah. Um, so the action that, well, because dentists, we are very, we like to plan. We like predictability. We don't like to, um, waste time, right? We have certain requirements that are important to us. So the, the way I approach is we want to make sure that, the action you're taking isn't too expensive. You've already invested enough in your career. So can't be too expensive. We don't want it to be too con- too time consuming because people are busy working their day jobs. And, and we don't want it to be too big. I find that when people look at the big picture, you know, like let's say I say, I want to be a coach, but I have no idea how to break that down and make it happen, I'm just going to stay paralyzed. But if I can break down the steps of becoming a coach into here's what's the first thing I need to do. Oh, maybe I need to research coaching certifications. That's one step. That's not going to take a lot of time or money. Right. And then I'm going to, I might research it and I might then connect with other people who do what I want so that I can, learn more. You, what happens is people get stuck in Google 
and then they just keep Googling what are different jobs I could do. For, as a dentist, as a doctor, right? as a lawyer. Exactly. Yeah. For two weeks, they Google it, they Google it, and then they, the next week, they're like, oh, no, it's fine. I can't do anything else that makes enough money in this amount of time, blah, blah, blah. And then they stop. And then something bad happens in practice, and they Google again. They never get past Googling. Oh, my gosh. That's so true. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right? Never. So this yeah. is why it's so important to start talking to people and and getting more information that way because it makes it more real. You don't know what doors it will open for you. Sometimes you can try things. I mean, if I could share with you the things that I've tried before settling on the right, perfect career for me, uh, I mean, you'd laugh. Like, I, Can you tell me two yeah, of them or two funny ones? Totally. Um, so I was, I'll just preface this with, I'm not a huge beer drinker. Okay. And I was wanting to brew gluten-free beer and thinking that I wanted to turn that into a possible profession. I was like brewing gluten-free beer in my basement because my husband liked beer. I didn't have enough of my own identity to pick something that I liked, right? Which yeah. is okay. It's okay. I tell people, like, if you don't know what you like, partner up with a friend or a spouse. Like, just do something, right? So I did that, and then I realized it wasn't what I wanted to do. And um, I created a line of dry spice rubs that I knew someone who was going to sell them for me. So I was like, this is cool. I'll have someone to sell them. I'll do all the production and everything. What a great experience that was. I got to go into a commercial kitchen and learn how to like create a relationship with a commercial kitchen and sign a contract and go in and like create this product. And I hated every minute of it. <laughs> I hated it. I was like, I don't belong here. I'm not a chef. Um, but it was like, what a good experience for me to just do something that wasn't that hard, right? Even if I felt uncomfortable, that's, those are the things that build the, that's the dating, right? That's yeah. where I'm getting to know myself and I'm building the confidence. I sold skincare products, kind of hated that too in some ways, but I learned a lot from that as well. Um, so everything, if you can approach it with the process, of, with the mindset of, I'm not going to focus on, you know, the, t the end outcome. I don't need the perfect plan B right now. I'm going to focus on the fact that no matter what I do, I'm learning and growing and changing and basically dating that I'm going to end up getting where I need to be or want to be. Yeah. Let me bring up two super important points you brought up. Your chances of success are higher if the first step is small, which nobody thinks that. People think like, if you don't go big right away, you'll be in your career forever. And then the next one is a question for you. Right now you're thinking, what great learning experiences. But when you were going through the failed skin product and failed spice racks and failed gluten beer, were you feeling down or what were you feeling? Oh yeah, that's part of the process because we fear the unknown, right? And it's always easier in hindsight to look back and, and say, oh, well, you know, um, it was the best do. thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, you're like, why can't I do anything right? Why isn't anything working out for me? But guess what? What I know, 100% confidence in, if any of those things worked out, like even the weight loss coaching, that was what really became a side gig for me. I did that for 10 years, which I just stopped doing it like a oh, year wow. ago. Okay. So now I need a new side gig, which I, yeah, um, <laughs> another topic. But, um, you know, had my weight loss business been as successful as I wanted it to be, it was successful enough to do for 10 years, but it was, it never was what I wanted it to become. But had it, then I wouldn't have been forced to try out all these other things. Then I wouldn't have gone back to coaching the way I am now, the career coaching. And I wouldn't have gotten to end up in my, what I truly like a love, 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 love what I do. It's a, like a dream for me. If I had succeeded at those things, I wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. Cause I would have just stayed in them. So 
let's say the gluten-free beer, that one fails, and you're looking down two tunnels. One is go back to dentistry. The next one is try something else. Why did you keep going to try something else? Oh, after yeah. This fee? Yeah. So also, by the way, the gluten-free beer was what I was doing on the weekends while I was practicing dentistry. Okay, that was cool. like me grasping at straws and just trying anything. Um, but then, um, so I, so it was more like, yep, I'm still stuck here. Um, but then, you know, you, that nagging feeling we talked about earlier, it comes back enough that for some of us, we can't ignore it. So the spices, the weight loss coaching, the skincare, all of that was after I officially quit dentistry and, um, I still always had the weight loss thing to fall back on. Did I feel successful? No, because I was measuring success by certain parameters that weren't. And then I had to, when I had to basically, did I, I learned that it wasn't going to be my forever. So it was like, all right, what's my plan F now? Right? Like I got to make a change and you know, you just keep going because you know, for me, I knew that like, no matter how up and down my feelings were based on how successful I felt like this does, it's a normal process to leave dentistry. And if you haven't found that like huge financial hit or that big career afterwards, you do judge yourself a little bit and you need to, finally, I just had to change my mindset and go, you've tried enough. Just go do the coaching. Yeah. Just go do the coaching. Like you can do it now. And then guess what? I did that and it's like magical. There's been nothing else that's been a fit like this. It's been easy for me to grow the business because it's the fit. And I did all those steps to get here. It's kind you of interesting. You can't see it in the moment, but. Your, your husband gives you permission to leave dentistry, but then you give yourself permission to enter coaching. It's almost like you had to go through that journey to give yeah. yourself permission to do it. That's amazing. Right. Because up until I was giving, I gave myself permission. I was, I felt like an imposter. I was like, Oh, great that I've quit dentistry. Awesome. What am I going to do? Help other people become quitters too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so easy. I, yeah. Like it is easy. Um, but I felt like I had to prove to the world that I could be successful building something and not yeah. just quitting dentistry. And, and then that wasn't true. I just needed to prove to myself that I could do it and let go of all of those stupid rules. And then I started doing what I wanted and it was, there's a, it was organic, right? Like it feels, some people might think this sounds so like woo woo and silly, but it was meant to be. And, you know, giving yourself that permission, um, that's what you don't need to prove to anyone else. You just need to prove to yourself or not prove, or allow yourself to not have to prove it to yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for sure it was meant to be, because we're on Zoom, people are listening in their car. I see your smile. Mm. And that's a smile of something. That's like an intense gratitude of life. So that like warms my heart. Last week I heard this definition of what a hero is. And a hero is someone that shows other people what's possible. And you're a hero showing people that like, Life is short. You can't be in your same career forever. And if you have the support and courage, you got to change. You do. And I feel so wonderful just talking to you about this. Well, thank you so much. That's so kind. Yeah. So we're actually, we're coming up on the hour mark. And I always ask, actually two questions. The first question, can I have you back on for a part two? This is oh so Oh my good. God, I'd love to. Oh, you're so nice. And then the next one is, what is one takeaway you'd want the audience to have from this hour? Oh my gosh, I have to narrow it down to one. Or 10, we have all 10. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, so I would say the one takeaway is you don't have to suffer your way through this life for it to be valuable. Like there's no, there. like we can create our own rules. So, you know, pick, choose for yourself, like stop living 
for what you think others want. And it reminds me of, there was a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. Have you ever heard of that? No, I love to read that. Um, well, I've never read the book, but I um, there was an article about it years ago that this woman, the author of it, her name is Bronnie Ware. She was a palliative care nurse, and she worked with people who were in like hospice care. So they were in their last days of their lives. And she, just through her conversations with everyone, she noticed people were saying the same things. So she wrote a book about it and it was the top five regrets of the dying. And the number one regret that most people had was they regretted not living a life true to themselves and instead living a life for other people, basically. Wow. And that's the takeaway is that like when you own what you want, people will come and support you. We all think everyone's going to poo poo us and not support us. But when you take that step and own it, um, the people who matter will. That's so important. And the people that don't support you, that's fine. They have their own thing going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Before we end, because my second goal of this podcast is also to promote people like you. Where can people find you? Yes. So, um, my website is lullabiescareercoaching.com or you can just Google. I know that's a little bit of a mouthful. You can Google 10 reasons your dentist hates you and it will pull it right up. Everyone remembers that one. Um, so that's my website. Um, I am on Instagram as, uh, Dr. So Dr. Lola Bees, L O L A B E E S. But like it's like bumblebees, but Lola. That's another story. That'll be for your next part two podcast. Part two, exactly. Um, so that's my Instagram handle is at Dr. Or Dr. Lola Bees, and on Facebook um, uh, is my name. Uh, I actually have a private Facebook group for dental professionals called Dentist Side Gigs. Okay. And on uh, LinkedIn, just my name, Laura Brenner. If a non-dentist wanted to reach out, do you work with non-dentists or only dentists? I typically don't, but okay. you know, I mean, it's if somebody feels like a higher high achiever who's really stuck in their career and they want career change coaching, then I'm happy to entertain the idea. Because I know a lot of physicians that feel just like we did and or oh, you did. Yeah. Your, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, they, good. Well, Yeah, we're all the same, really. Yeah. I cannot thank you enough for doing this. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I'll see you soon. Thanks so much, Vince. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.